Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm a beggar, I found bread, and I host this podcast. The bread I found is no ordinary bread. It's the bread of life, the Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth. I hope to present this bread to others that they might choose blessing and life. This episode, one or the other. Shout out to post-grunge indie alt-rockers Plank Eye for the title to this episode. Plank Eye had a decade of inspired alternative rock releases from 1992 till 2002. Eric Balmer and Luis Garcia, the band's vocalist and bassist, respectively, were mainstays throughout, with several other members coming and going. Commonwealth is my personal favorite album of theirs. It had the most, I don't know, kind of punk edge to it. It was a little heavier than their other albums, and it it seems as their most polished album as well. I still bump it now. Yeah, check them out when you get a chance, especially Commonwealth. After they disbanded, Balmer and his wife formed a group called Fielding, and they've produced four studio albums together. Not a lot of trivia on this band, save to say the name Plank Eye is a reference to the words of Messiah, where he commands us to remove the plank from our own eye before helping a brother remove a speck from his eye. As you know, it's not about the music anyway, it's about the message, one or the other. We will pick up at verse 14 of the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians today. We've been going through an overview of the Apostle Paul's first epistle to the believers in the Greek city of Corinth. Each episode has standalone topics, so if you miss one or two or are joining the study for the first time, fear not. You won't need to go all the way back to the Nobody's Fool episode just to get caught up. Um, I do encourage you to read through the book of 1 Corinthians, read through this letter in its entirety when you can. And if you'd like to go back to the previous episodes, which provide more history and overall context, please do so. As for now, let's begin at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, my dear friends, run from idolatry. I speak to you as sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I am saying. The cup of blessing over which we make the bracha, isn't it a sharing in the bloody sacrificial death of the Messiah? The bread we break, isn't it a sharing in the body of Messiah? Because there is one loaf of bread. We who are many constitute one body, since we all partake of the one loaf of bread. Look at physical Israel. Don't those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? So what am I saying? That food sacrificed to idols has any significance in itself? Or that an idol has significance in itself? No. What I am saying is that the things which pagans sacrifice, they sacrifice not to God, but to demons. And I don't want you to become sharers of the demons. You can't drink both a cup of the Lord and a cup of demons. You can't partake in both a meal of the Lord and a meal of demons. Or are we trying to make the Lord jealous? We aren't stronger than he is, are we? Everything is permitted, you say. Maybe, but not everything is helpful. 
everything is permitted. Maybe, but not everything is helpful. No one should be looking out for his own interests, but for those of his fellow. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience. For the earth and everything in it belong to the Lord. If some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go eat whatever is put in front of you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this meat was offered as a sacrifice, then don't eat it out of con- out of consideration for the person who pointed it out and also for conscience's sake. However, I don't mean your conscience, but that of the other person. You say, why should my freedom be determined by someone else's conscience? If I participate with thankfulness, why am I criticized over something for which I myself bless God? Well, whatever you do, whether it's eating or drinking or anything else, do it all so as to bring glory to God. Do not be an obstacle to anyone. Not to Jews, not to Gentiles, and not to God's messianic community. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not looking out for my own interests, but for those of the many, so that they may be saved. This portion of the letter starts with the word, therefore. So let's see what the therefore is there for, so we get context. And to do that, I think hopping back just one verse will help us. And what has happened is these Gentile God-fearing followers of the Messiah Yeshua, which is the primary group that comprises this fellowship, this assembly, are God-fearing Gentile uh, Gentile God-fearers that now follow the Messiah Yeshua. They've been continuing to engage in some of their old pagan ways. And apparently, they've expressed that the temptations they face to sin are stronger than those of the Jewish believers among the community. Basically saying, no, Paul, you don't understand. It's different for us. It's harder for us to turn from our old ways and follow the ways of Hashem. Paul hits them straight between the eyes. No temptation has seized you beyond what people normally experience. And God can be trusted not to allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. On the contrary, along with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you will be able to endure. In a nutshell, you have no excuse to continue those pagan idolatrous ways. God provides you a way of escape for every temptation You're just choosing to engage in the old familiar ways. Therefore, my dear friends, run from idolatry. There is a way of escape, as Paul just said. Use it to run from the temptation. I speak to you as sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I am saying. The cup of blessing over which we make the bracha, that's blessing, Isn't it a sharing in the bloody sacrificial death of the Messiah? The bread we break, isn't it a sharing in the body of the Messiah? Because there is one loaf of bread, we who are many constitute one body, since we are all partakers, since we all partake of the one loaf of bread. The cup of blessing 
and the bread to which Paul refers here are references to the communion meal, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, or whichever you may call it, which is um, which is speaking about the final Seder meal Yeshua shared with his disciples. And I wanted to dig deeper into this topic today, but since Paul really delves into it more in chapter 11, we will get to it at, at that point, Lord willing, in the next episode or two, we should get there. So for now, we're going to stick to the comparison the apostle is making to open the eyes of these believers. He's making a comparison of the cup and the bread with things that are uh, sacrificed, offered to idols. And so he will reveal to them the nature of the cup of blessing and the broken bread as contrasted with eating and drinking things offered to idols. The cup of blessing and the broken bread are a sharing in the sacrificial death, the blood and broken body of the master, Yeshua the Messiah. We who are followers of the Messiah, Jewish and Gentile believers, all make up one body of Messiah since we partake of the one loaf, the bread of life, Yeshua. In verse 18, to relate the physical to the spiritual, Paul writes, look at physical Israel. Don't those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? So let's clarify this a little bit. Look at what Paul is referring to in this statement. Who are those who eat the sacrifices and participate in the altar? Leviticus chapter 7 describes the guilt or trespass offering. And then in verse 6 we read, Every male from a family of Kohanim, the priesthood, may eat it. Talking about the sacrifice. It is to be eaten in a holy place. It is especially holy as a part of provision for the priests. Uh, um, this is my um, interpolation here. As a part of provision for the priests, they may eat a portion of some of the sacrifices. That's part of, part of their provision. Additionally, it is understood that along with the priest presenting the offering to Hashem, this guilt or trespass offering, for the atonement of the offender, the sacrifice is completely accepted when the priest consumes some of it. And we can see uh, some of that. There's some conversation between Moses and Aaron at one point when Aaron did not eat a portion of a sacrifice, and that's in Exodus. So, but that, that just to clarify what Paul is talking about, right? Those who, those who eat the sacrifices um, and participate in the altar. So let's also further clarify, because there's more on this, in Deuteronomy, uh, we'll look at Deuteronomy chapter 12, uh, just for more context on what Paul is revealing to those followers of Yeshua in Corinth. Verses 17 and 18, now this refers to the burnt offering and fellowship offerings um, as pertains to all the children of Israel, not just the priesthood here. So this is to all of Israel, the natural born and the grafted in, not again, just Levites or priests. 
You are not to eat on your own property the tenth of your grain, new wine, or olive that is set aside for Adonai, or the firstborn of your offering, or the firstborn of your cattle or sheep, or any offering you have vowed, or your voluntary offering, or the offering from your hand. No, you are to eat these in the presence of Adonai your God in the place Adonai your God will choose. You and your sons, daughters, male and female slaves, and the Levi who is your guest. And you are to rejoice before Adonai your God in everything you undertake to do. So the people would also eat a portion of these specific offerings, the uh, fellowship offering, peace offering. There was a portion that they could eat of that as well. And similar to what Paul says uh, in, in this letter, in, in your eating, in your drinking, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The end of this in uh, Deuteronomy 12, verse 18 says, and you are to rejoice before Adonai your God in everything you undertake to do. So there is a partaking and eating and drinking of some of the items sacrificed and offered to Hashem, grain, wine, olive oil, animals, which, uh, which makes those who do so participants in the altar. The altar is holy. It is set apart to Hashem for its specific purpose. The guilt offering presented and part of it eaten by the priests for atonement of sins. The fellowship or peace offerings presented by the priests and part of it consumed by the common people, if you will. For fellowship, a right individual relationship with Adonai through the Master Yeshua. When we common folks drink the cup of blessing and eat the broken matzah, unleavened bread, we eat and drink of the offering of the life and body of the Lamb of God, Yeshua. So Paul brings into view what it means when we eat the bread and drink the cup of blessing. He then continues, So what am I saying? That food sacrificed to idols has any significance in itself? Or that an idol has significance in itself? No. What I'm saying is that the things which pagans sacrifice, they sacrifice not to God, but to demons. And I don't want you to become sharers of the demons. You can't drink both a cup of the Lord and a cup of demons. You can't partake in both a meal of the Lord and a meal of demons. Or are we trying to make the Lord jealous? We aren't stronger than he is, are we? So Paul's reinforcing what he previously wrote in this letter about eating things sacrificed to idols. He acknowledges that the idols and food sacrificed to them have no real significance to a follower of Yeshua. But we can't have a foot in each camp. There are things from which we must abstain even if the pagan origin means nothing to us. We cannot dabble in darkness and declare the light. In these cases, it is as though we are provoking the Most High to jealousy. Is that what we're trying to do? 
It is written in the Torah that he is a jealous God. He is jealous for us. He desires us, that right relationship with us. Would we seek to provoke that jealousy in him through engaging in and participating in things that are designed to worship idols or demons? May it never be. Paul asks the rhetorical question, we aren't stronger than Hashem, are we? Of course not. Then Paul goes on in verse 23, referring again to the letter the Corinthians wrote him. And we've discussed that letter in a couple of uh, earlier episodes in this study. There was, uh, there was some confusion to the God-fearing Gentile believers, as well as some of the Jewish followers of Yeshua, due to Paul's gospel. And so the thought became, and Paul's gospel, once more, we, we unpack that a little bit more in, in other episodes. Paul's gospel is that if you come to Messiah as a Jew, you remain as a Jew and continue living, living that life. If you come to faith in Hashem through the Messiah Yeshua and you are a Gentile, remain that way. You do not have to take on Jewish identity to become a partaker, to gain a portion of the coming kingdom through the Messiah Yeshua. And so there was confusion as to what Paul meant by this. And so the thought became that Gentile followers of the Messiah did not have to adhere in any way to the Torah. This was not what Paul said and he spent some time in his other writings clarifying this point. But at this moment in time, when this letter was written, this is about the year 54, the assembly in Corinth had this idea that they could live in both camps. Duality, if you will. Sticking to the old pagan ways, idolatrous ways, and still gaining the benefits of following the master Yeshua. Paul is trying to straighten them out on this verse. They can't, they can't do both. And so he quotes from their letter, which they said, everything is permitted. And so he says, everything is permitted, you say? Maybe, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permitted? Maybe, but not everything is edifying. No one should be looking out for his own interests, but for those of his fellow. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is, uh, for the earth and everything in it belong to the Lord. So once more, there was always a possibility that the meats sold in those Gentile markets were offered up to idols. In this case, Paul is telling them to exercise the don't ask, don't tell policy. As long as the meat is from an animal that actually was created to be food, purchase it, cook it, and eat it. But if you ask if it's been offered to an idol, and the answer is yep, or the merchant just tells you, yeah, this was sacrificed to Jupiter, walk away. Not everything is helpful or edifying. We should not be looking out for our own interests, but for those of our brothers and sisters. As Paul wrote earlier, don't place a stumbling block before others. 
If what you eat or drink will cause others to stumble in their faith, abstain from it. It's that simple. Paul continues, If some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put in front of you without raising a question of conscience. But if someone says to you, this meat was offered as a sacrifice, then don't eat it out of consideration for the person who pointed it out and also for conscience's sake. However, I don't mean your conscience, but that that of the other person. So Paul is telling these believers, it's okay to go eat a meal with an unbeliever. Hopefully, with the goal of shining the light of the glorious gospel into their lives. That would be that would be the primary reason you would go to share share the love of Hashem with them, to reflect it, his love, his light to them. So he says, when you're there, eat whatever is served. Clarifying point here. I personally do not believe that this includes the meat of animals which are described as unclean in Leviticus 11. I do not believe Paul is saying, and if they serve you pork chops and whatever, bacon-wrapped scallops, go for it. I don't believe that's what he means, and, and what backs up my thoughts on this is, first of all, Paul wouldn't consider those things as food to begin with, and uh, because they're not created for the purpose of of being food. Those animals have other purposes. Pigs, they break up the fallow ground so it can be used in, in, for agricultural purposes. Shellfish, they're the poop filters of the ocean. They keep it clean. That's what they do. That's their created purpose. So, anyway. So his direction here isn't about eating things that aren't food. Listen to the taste episode, which just a few few episodes ago. You can listen to that one and also from earlier in this podcast, the Stay Hungry episode for more on foods. The issue is that many of the believers in this fellowship in Corinth have come out of pagan idol worshiping practices. And if you want to be a light to them, to shine the light of Messiah Yeshua into the lives of these people who are still pagans, who are not believers yet, you should not knowingly eat meats sacrificed to idols in front of them. Or they're going to think that it's okay to do it even if or when you, be, you come to faith in Hashem, the God of Israel, through Yeshua. So if some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go eat whatever is put in front of you without raising question of conscience. But if someone says to you, this meat was offered as a sacrifice, then don't eat it. It's very clear. Paul is being very specific about what he's talking about. Things that have been sacrificed. Then don't eat it. Out of conscience for the person who pointed it out and also for conscience's sake. However, I don't mean for your conscience, but that of the other person. Everything is permitted, you say, but not everything is helpful or edifying. As Paul wrote earlier, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. 
One inflates the ego of the individual, the other builds up others in their faith. What would Adonai have you do? What would the Master Yeshua do in this case? In Judaism, there's talk about what is permitted and that even abstaining from things which are permissible in the Torah is to our benefit and spiritual growth. So even abstaining, even though something is permitted, even though we have the right to do certain things, there is benefit in abstaining from some things which are permissible in the Torah. The 12th century Jewish sage Maimonides, who's also called Rambam, said that we should separate ourselves to Hashem. Be holy, for I am holy. Set apart. So being set apart. For believers in God, in the God of Israel, even separating from things permitted in the Torah spurs a deeper relationship to Hashem. It's not enough to look at the Torah as a list of regulations, but to seek the heart of Hashem and the purpose of life in the Torah. One could possibly keep every law and command and still be corrupt. And this is a point that the Master Yeshua repeatedly expressed to the religious leaders of his day, the weightier matters of the Torah. And you can listen to the heavy is the weight episode for more on that. But let's pick up in verse 29, 1 Corinthians 10, 29. You say, why should my freedom be determined by someone else's conscience? If I participate with thankfulness, why am I criticized over something for which I myself bless God? So the attitude Paul is challenging here is one that is common even today. What I do, eat, drink, or say is between me and God. And if I think it's permissible, then I'm going to do it. And you don't like it? Too bad. It's a very selfish attitude that does not take into consideration the potential frailty of the faith of others. In the past, when I served as an associate pastor... Um, for, for a local church, I, I went and presented a message to one of our sister churches, and I didn't know anyone. Um, and so I, I went, um, and I do, um, if you weren't aware, I have, I have tattoos, which are visible on my arms if I wear short sleeves. So I wore long sleeves to keep, keep them covered. And I told my pastor that, you know, I kept, I, keep my, I kept my ink covered so I wouldn't be a potential stumbling block. I didn't want people to get distracted, those kind of things. And BTW, I no longer get tattoos. And you can listen to the Needle and the Damage Done episode for more on that topic. At any rate, so my pastor surprised me because I told him, you know, I told him, you know, yeah, I kept covered up because I didn't want it to be a distraction or, or a stumbling block to anyone. And he looked at me and he said, not me. If my tattoos offend someone, let them be offended. And I'll be honest, I'm not trying to bust toss this guy, but it, it, it seemed uncharacteristic for him to say that. But I knew for me, I was not going to force what I perceived at that time as my liberty on others who may be distracted or confused by it or stumble over it. 
and that was that was just my understanding and it it very i believe has very much application to what paul is saying here in 1 corinthians 10 so side note there sorry just a little story um picking up in verse 31 well whatever you do whether it's eating or drinking or anything else do it all so as to bring glory to god if you remember what we just previously read also in Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 18. Same thing here Paul's talking about. And so my question here is, what will bring glory to God? Flaunting our liberties to others or in love building them up by abstaining even from our own rights what is even permissible to us, abstaining from those things? Paul actually answers that question in verse 32. Do not be an obstacle to anyone, not to Jews, those who follow Yeshua or not, not to Gentiles, the God-fearers of, uh, or pagans. Gentile God-fearers, as well as pagans. Don't be a stumbling block. Don't be an obstacle to anyone. And not to God's messianic community, the Jew and Gentile believers in Yeshua. So Paul is, is really making it clear here. Don't be a stumbling block to anyone. <laughs> and he says in verse 33, Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not looking out for my own interests, but for those of the many, so that they may be saved. We're talking about leading people to the gospel. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. The Messiah has been identified as Yeshua of Nazareth. So whatever liberties, rights, or privileges that we lay aside to draw others to Hashem through Yeshua... Those are righteous sacrifices done as an expression of love to build others up in their faith. We are very fixated on our individual rights. It's part of, part of our Western culture. It's part of the American culture. Individual rights. I have my rights. I have my rights. We surrender all our rights when we give our lives to Hashem through Yeshua. We lay those all aside. We cannot take those into consideration and flaunt them before others. I hope that this study is blessing you. And there are many benefits that I'm gaining from going through it in, in my personal study time, as well as, as doing these episodes um, and just you know continuing sharing this overview with you week by week, chapter by chapter. And for myself, I, I, some of the growth that I see in this, it, and it's all praise to Yah. I'm, I'm staying focused on this study and going through this, this entire book with you. And for me, I get easily distracted or other topics pop up, pop up that I really want to share on or talk about other things that I'm studying and looking at. But th thanks be to Hashem, I have to this point maintained consistency in going through this. And I, 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 I trust uh, that will continue. We'll continue going through this book together. 
and all the other potential episodes and topics that have come up of late. They're being saved. I'm I'm writing down notes and, and uh, we, we will see, you know, I'm maintaining them for now. And Lord willing, those may become future episodes. But make sure for yourself that you study to show yourselves approved of God. There is a lost and dying world that desperately needs the bread of life, the Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth. And may we not confuse them by indulging what we may believe to be permissible, but provide for them the true bread. Let's go out and give them heaven. And until next time, may the favor the Master Yeshua the Messiah earned in the eyes of Hashem be upon you and all your household, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding reign in your hearts and minds in the Messiah Yeshua. Grace and peace Cain Shalom.